Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, again at Talk Cosmos this Saturday, June 30th, and we're speaking again about cancer. It's an archetype which this show does focus on because it we're finding the intentional roots of our astrological archetypes that relate. And I have to folk just immediately comment because it is on today's radar that there were many marches. And interestingly, the north node of the United States happens to be in Leo, six degrees Leo. And although that isn't our archetype in astrology, it would then go to the sun. The sun rules Leo. Well, it happens to be that right now the sun is in Cancer, and that's exactly our archetype. And the sun in Cancer rules the moon. Well, today's talk is about the moon and mythology getting to our roots. It is about the past. You know, the sun reflects, I mean, it gives all the light, and the moon reflects that light. So it is regarding our past, meaning that as I was just speaking with my guest today, Wendy, who I will introduce in a few minutes, was saying that it is like a reset of our, of our, of our spirit of our moment, of our, of our existence. So it's a very powerful day. And it was, as we know, although I'm, not, I'm at the radio station, so I'm not looking at the news, but I needed to comment on that. Moon in mythology, it is fascinating. Looking back further, there'll be many gods and goddesses. As it, the moon is the one planet that everybody sees, as a non-astrology friend of mine pointed out. And to give you just a few of the names, Selene is the one commonly thought of as we inherit in our thinking the Greek and Roman uh, uh, thinking patterns of mythology. But it goes, and Diana was the Roman. But before that, I'll just call it, the Egyptians had Isis and Hathor. And the Sphinx, believe it or not, I was so surprised. I have these cards. There are cards that are the goddess knowledge cards. And the Sphinx was actually a moon goddess. Kaltis, a yurgic of the Western Siberia. Spider woman of the Western Native American tribes. Hina of the Polynesian god. Goddesses, I should say. And I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the Mayan, Chitzil, I-X-C-H-E-L. And Wendy will know more about that. Mary. Mary is actually considered in the Christian of the moon of the church. I had not realized. Epona, the Celtic. There are triple goddesses. And as it said here, perhaps the original trinity. We will reflect. And a lot of these trinities relate to death. The moon is, again, we call it a planet, or it's a luminary for astrologers, too. 
but we'll refer to it as a planet, is of change. The new moon of no light, the full moon with all light, the crescent. It's a whole process, again, back to that word of cancer. And I just have two more cards that are a little, one that, which is of Welsh, Adrian Rod, Arian Rod, who was also a triple goddess. And triple means many features, but it's also the life and the death, the regeneration. It is at the ending and beginnings of the fourth house. And Medusa, that was shocking to me too, but of the death aspect because of regeneration. I'm going to introduce this wonderful astrologer. Her name is Wendy Wyrot. She lives in Seattle, although she does counseling internationally and teaches. Wendy uses whole signs. She uses traditional, shamanic, spiritual, and archetypal astrology. Studies Kabbalah, hermetic philosophy. Hermetic is of the original, well, I don't know original what a word, but it is. It's the Geminian Hermes, Mercury that we spoke of in the last month also of great change, and mythologies. She teaches, and Wendy also is a practitioner of feng shui, a reiki master, ordained minister, a certified spiritual healer and counselor, shamanic ancestral healer, energy healing, angel healing, face reading, the Chinese five element face reading, which is quite a steady, rather a lost art, hypnotherapy, and she travels to spaces, sacred sites. So it's a real honor. Thank you. And hi, Wendy. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, I'm just so excited to be here with you and to get to visit with you about all these fascinating topics. We share so many mutual interests. It's just wonderful. I really uh, focus on Kabbalah, for instance, too, just as a reminder of there's so many beginning spots you know what i was fascinated with i have to just start right there is when i went back to the researching for my own interest to understand more about the mythologies for the moon because we don't in this era think of the moon we think of the moon but we don't know who rules the moon i mean much about it but way back in the babylonia days it was actually a male God. Sin. Yes. His name was Sin and connected with the Sinai Mountain. It's so fascinating. Yes, yes. And so again, that teach reminds me how with all the cultures merging and changing, which we're still always doing, and words and concepts keep evolving and shifting sometimes dramatically to the opposite. But it does seem that Sin at that time previous back then met crescent moon, and Nana met the full moon. And I guess the shepherds would go out and watch the moon, so I suppose that's where they began to think that it was like the man on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was from there. That's a little silly. Could be. Yeah, you never know. I, I was thinking if I could research that. But it did... It It shifted. It shifted towards being identified as um, the goddess, like in Roman times. And, and we were talking about that. That's um, how, how maybe it was just the development of 
cities and people. I think that was it, talking more, wanting to express, writing more, and changing their ideas. Yes, it seems like um, when, when the culture started transitioning from being visual cultures into being cultures using writing, um, the brains evolved and changed a lot because of writing. There's a wonderful book called The Alphabet and the Goddess that talks about that. Um, but another thing I'd like to bring up is that one of the very most ancient goddess images we have is of a very full-figured mother, motherly goddess holding a, a horn. like a, It looks like a crescent moon, but it's a horn, and it's got 13 slashes on it, and some people believe that that was the lunar calendar. Absolutely. I believe that. And um, I, I love to hold that image in my mind because she's very full-figured and rounded, just like a full moon would be. Yes, very true. And pregnant. Yes. In fact, there is... Not to leave that, but just to toss in the realization that the moon in like the Egyptians with Isis gave birth to um, the sun. That's you right. Know, we think yes. of it in reverse, which I think with you think of the moon, of course, it's all these changes. It has the death of the no light. So early thinking that was like underground, but it's still a co- concept to because these ideas were only shared as they could have been to us, and they're deeper. You know, it's like there's still a lot of meaning that's unspoken, so we can dig at. And and so there's change involved. So going back to the crescent moon, that's so significant, I know, for Sin and for Nana and with the horn, because it, 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 there's the, in astrology, the, the half circle is spirit, and then with the cow, which was so important at that time with the horns, you know, there's all this relationship of how it was expressed. Yes, the age of Taurus, that very, very ancient time when the bull was very, very sacred. And um, the shape of the bull's head has been shown to rep- rep- resemble or replicate the um, womb and the fallopian tubes. Yes, the so the bull was sacred to the goddess back in those days, um, and so those 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 water buffalo, their moon, their their horns are moon shaped, crescent shaped, and um, Hathor and Isis both had those horns on their head, and sometimes with Isis she would have the solar disc on within yes. those horns, sort of almost like a yin yang balance sign, and the fact that Isis gave birth to the sun, you right. know, the moon god. So um, th- there is this correlation. Of course, they're connected. But I think in this day and age of the evolution, as we were talking about, with language and the, con- and the changes of consciousness due to cities and more focus in uh, maybe specialized areas, scribes and whatnot, we- we've separated. There's been so much separation. And the Greeks, maybe I'm threading it in, trying to, because it, it was brought up slightly, um, it, they really separated themselves from nature. And it was in order to evolve with the thought process, but there was a lot lost with that also that we're touching back on it. And hoping to reclaim. So like you and I were talking the other night about how when Athens was trying so hard to be a civilized city, 
and Athena was the patron goddess of Athens, but she was very manly, you know, very mental, very, she was the goddess of just wars, so she was a warrior goddess. She had, but she also brought civilization. She taught weaving and um, brought the olive tree, which, to, to Athens. So um, you and I were talking about how Athens, um, they, they, they didn't respect nature as much. They were more getting into the mental and the mental ways of looking yes, like at how to live. Aristotle, yes, the great right. sages. Right, that yes. Perhaps needed, well, of course, needed to be expressed, but uh, as a culture, yes, it did differentiate and separate. And it's interesting about, because Athena is Diana. No, they're separate. No, they're sisters. Oh, they're sisters. Yeah, Athena, so the myth of Athena. She sprang fully formed, full grown, with all her armor out of Zeus's head. So she was born of out of a mental idea. Yeah. And that's another way that they were degrading the goddesses because prior to the classical Greek times, um, there was a matriarchal culture and the goddesses were very, very, very respected. There was the triple goddess, which was the goddess of the, the virgin, the mother, and the crone. And all three um, forms were respected and, and honored. And then when the invaders came in, the proto-Indo-European invaders, and started making the classical Greek culture, they married all these goddesses to their male gods yes. to try and legitimize their male gods. Instead of consorts, right. which is such a word that one usually reads upon, there were marriages. And it is this shift in so many ways of a consciousness of, of qualifying understandings of how society is operating that has its benefits, but it also, it's great awareness, I think, to recognize because thoughts really travel and stories travel. Stories is the big message. And we, if we can go back and see how people were thinking, because obviously when you're in a more simple environment attached to the land, as the shepherds were, where you depended on the rivers being flooded, the Nile, we're talking for those of you in wonderful audience land, which we're thrilled to be speaking with. Um, the Euphrates River is in the Middle East, in between those two rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, of Sumer and Babylonia, which was 5,300 years ago, which is, uh, or 3,500 BC, any way you want to look at it, it was a good distance away. And so there was a great culture during that time, but it but yet it was a, uh, a very beginning as a civilization. And so people were concerned with, with the, the, the survival. I mean, not just survival, but life, you know, the, the, because the moon with nurturing and food, you know, how they, with the cow, with the milk, the dairy products, the reeds, the, the grain that, that they would have. And so... When we think of this in a snapshot fashion, oh, well, this is this shift, we forget. It seems to me, even in my own consciousness, that's why I'm suggesting that others might too, to really consider that it took a, a great time to, to shift these gears and to shed 
distinguished themselves from nature. It wasn't like an overnight thing. Took thousands, well, for sure hundreds of years and possibly yeah. thousands of years, a very gradual process indeed. Just as we are returning to it. And that's like even in today's chart, just to kind of jump, we have the moon conjunct Mars. We were talking about how Mars is so often the male, one of the male, primary male uh, significations of uh, related to the idea of 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 aggression, or, or by aggression, I mean forward motion. Going for what we want, ambition, passion, the will, going after what we want. Yeah, yeah, and it's opposite Venus. There's a 10-degree orb, but good enough. Yes. And, <laughs> and then Mars is conjunct the moon today. And opposite Venus, and, and Sue and I were both talking about how um, so... In the sky today, as we speak right now, with the Earth in the middle, Mars is on one side of us, Venus is on the other side of us, and we were just, we've been talking about how we're, we're hoping for a return to the balance between masculine values and feminine values. We're hoping and intending as we move forward in this society that women are respected and that brought back to power, but not a power over, but an equal power between males and females where we can cooperate. Yes, with our recognizing there's always differences. Yeah. There's, there's, there's qualities of strengths and weaknesses that can be individual, but even as a, like, for instance, if you have a garden, you're going to have certain plants that need the shade, so they're underneath a tree. Or you have certain plants that need more space and they have but they coordinate their for their for their uh needs needs yes good good cancer word (laughs) thank you wendy that's right yeah safety comes up too i think it's a safety to we're, we're living in an era which is so uh juxtaposed between conditions you know we have such great abilities in so many ways and then yet again we have so many perils that I suppose has never changed but it seems on a way so but there is a real method of safety involved in the moon that is a real feature to have real nurturing of of this ability to to allow men and women because all people have these qualities you know obviously well, not obviously, but perhaps because of hormones, women have more of one characteristics of, of receptivity, and, and there many women have children, not all women, but many. So in other words, what I'm trying to say on a broad terms here is that uh, we have the ability to start these steps of embracing, like you're saying, in fact, I think you wanted to say hi to somebody in Australia because of the fact that she's there, but also to identify she's looking at the moon. She's probably looking at the moon either because that's on the other side. What time would she be? What's her name, and when would she be looking at the moon? Lorena's in Sydney, and it's about 11 a.m. there. So, But in our chart, we can see the moon's on the other side of the earth from us. So she might be able to look out the window and see the moon. It is during the daytime. Yeah. Yes, that's true. We, 
or no, it's nighttime there. I'm so silly, but anyway. Well, very good. Anyway, thank you, Lorena, for listening. Yes, we're glad that that's a wonderful thing on 1150 radio. You can go online, and we have a listen button, and there's also an AM. Uh, uh, it's called KKNWAM for those people that like their phones and can listen, too. Oh, yeah, KKNW app? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So... Cancer is about the issues of nurturing ourselves, um, nurturing the inner child. Cancer is the caregiver sign. So that means any type of caregiver, whether you're nurturing a child or taking care of an elderly parent or if you're a nurse or work or a social worker. And I, I, I'm, I just want to thank everybody that's a caregiver out there for what you're doing. It's It's not valued so much in Western society, but... Um, in some of the Northern European countries, um, it's very valued, um, and the governments even uh, pay give money for mothers to stay home for a whole year. They the the Northern European countries recognize that these mothers are really contributing society to society by raising their children, and caregivers of elderly people they're also respected as as contributing to society. So. In those countries, um, caregivers receive money from the government also. And um, do you need to say something, Sue? Well, I love this idea. And actually, I was going to ask you then, since you do healing work with ancestries, and this relates exactly, it's right in par with, I mean, it's our Cancerian uh, heritage. It's the moon of the mother, our childhood. You also do healing for your inner child. inner child it's all related and as we go through these really intense times which you know each of us if we just look around at people there's so many changes good bad many ways some designed by ourselves some taken up that we're experiencing and then collectively so it's important to consider i love this energy that you work on i'd love to hear um guide about that well you know these times are really frightening for all of us there seems to be a collective anxiety things are changing so rapidly and none of us know really what to expect Um, and so I think it's nice to take it to to a very basic way of loving and nurturing ourselves and loving our inner child and I'd love to teach a inner child technique if it's okay yes a very short technique or is this an okay time for it about three minutes well, all you have to do is hug your pillow or a stuffed animal. And whenever you feel upset, scared, ang- or angry, it's often the inner child that's really feeling that. You can imagine yourself as an adult holding your inner child and saying, I'm sorry, say your name, that you're, I'm sorry you're feeling frightened, or you could say whatever emotion it is, and say, I understand, I love you. And you can say this a few times over and over. And if you revisit with your inner child, you know, morning and night, you know, when you're in bed, lying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, that's a great time to do it. And it's such a basic thing, but it can create a feeling of safety and security in you um, from the inside out, which 
and security is such an important part of cancer and nurturing yourself creates a feeling of safety and security. So I encourage everybody to try this. That's a really wonderful way thinking of not just imagining but holding something because that is whether it is like a, an animal or a pillow or something so that you get that form and, and it, 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 you can feel it and it's close to your heart and your gut and, and your whole center. Yes, yes. And I got that from one of the Mountain Astrologer articles and it really resonated mm. for me, this particular form of this technique. Now, Mountain Astrologer is a, a wonderful astrology magazine for those of you that would like. Well, I... Yes, our, our childhood, I don't know if there's many myths about the moon in childhood, though, is there? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is the goddess Cori, who later became Persephone. So mm -hmm. she was a young maiden, she was a child, and she was kidnapped by Hades and taken down into the underworld. So her childhood was taken from her, um, and that um, descent into the underworld... Um, was a rude awakening and a dramatic way to wake up from childhood uh, involuntarily. And her mother, Demeter, searched all over for her, consulted Hakate. Hakate told her where to look or who to ask about. Oh, Hakate was Demetra's sister, I think, wasn't she? Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Right. And Hakate is one of the moon goddesses. Yes. The crone version. Of the underground of the death. Yes, yes. yes. So... That's the first thing that pops into my mind when you talk about childhood. And uh, Demeter, also known as Ceres, the asteroid Ceres, is at the very top of our chart right near the midheaven as we speak right now, oh, yes. within 20 degrees. But she's the closest planet or asteroid to the very highest point in the sky for us here in Seattle. The and mother figure, that's right, in a very beautiful, yes, so that it does relate to this energy. And actually, it is a passage, a rites of passage to leave our childhood. Absolutely. Yeah. So some people, in some versions of the story, Persephone chose to go into the underworld. And even though she missed her mother terribly, but, but she wanted to discover what it was like to be a woman, to be a wife. It just depends on which version of the story and, you know, what uh, century it came from in those ancient, ancient times. And that goes right back to the beauty of cancer again is retelling our stories which and realizing that the story we heard may not be the original it, it may have shifted which for good purpose or poor purpose that's what this program actually wants to try to resurface you know absolutely it's yeah. fascinating how the myths shifted and changed throughout the different centuries and Thank you. And we will now, I'm glad we just noticed there, mm -hmm. at, in just a moment we will have an announcement, but then after that we'll receive your phone calls. We have a new number today. Perhaps this will work out well for everybody. It's area code 425. That's like April 25th, right? 425. And the phone number is 373-5527. I'll repeat that. 425 373-5527. And if you have any questions, either about your astrology chart, and really try to come up with a question. We'll help you if you don't have it. We'll give you a few moments, and we'll try to center it on the archetype, but we'll be glad to talk with you or brainstorm. 
Thank you. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. Currently, we are in the period of cancer. By leaving a cycle based on connecting mental communication to the external, the energy of cancer involves emotions, which create our personal story through our emotional associations and attachments. As a cardinal water sign that is nurturing, cancer needs to process emotions in one's own internal rhythm of cycles in order to complete an evolution. Hi, this is June Rose Trimbach. I'm an astrologer and healer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconscious. Hello, everybody. Sue Rose Minahan, Talk Cosmos 1150 KKNW in Seattle. Go to your online or app. And that phone number is area code, a new phone number, 425-373-5527. And for about 15 minutes, we'll leave it open. So if you're inspired and want to share your stories of the moon or any personal question, that's fine. Otherwise, Wendy and I will continue to chat. We have so many subjects about it, and Wendy, too, has many experiences that I'm interested in finding out, trying to choose which way to ask her. But I think I'll start with, because I know that Wendy does soul retrieval, and the soul, really, our cancer is the ego. It's our defining factor of, uh, of, of soul. And so with soul retrieval, is, is that a do you use hypnotherapy for that? How does, how does, how would that help the processing of a? There, mm-hmm. it, there, there is a way to do that with hypnotherapy, but the way I do it is I, um, I create sacred space. I pray and I work with the guardian angels and God and healing and helping spirits and the benevolent ancestors and with Gaia. Um, and the, so what happens? The reason it's called soul retrieval is because when something traumatic happens to a person often in childhood or teenage years, a part of the person's vital essence splits off um, from the trauma. And so my job is to act as a bridge or a medium and to work with the healing and helping angels to um, track down and find that energy and bring it back. So the, the um, people I work with describe their traumas and their sadnesses, and then I try to track that energy and bring it back to them. So really, it's just to help them become more whole and integrated. It's a very important process. It reminds me totally of the whole fact of, in astrology, what we call the split between emotions. I mean, there's many ways, of course, to look at life. But as far as astrology goes, there is this split between emotion and mind. In fact, right now I'm thinking with the moon, which, of course, is Cancerian, it's in Aquarius. And Aquarius is a, a mental detached sign. Perhaps its best ability is to look at emotions in a more objective manner, get some detachment and clarity. But on the other hand, it can be 
because everything has a shadow side, as we realized. And, or in astrology, we think of that as a shadow. In other words, there's strengths and the weaknesses, and we call it the shadow maybe because of light. It, there is, getting back to the point, that it's trauma. Too much change that you can't process the emotions that you need to process, just like the moon going through its, its phases. It, it, so it, uh, the retrieval, the soul retrieval, is, it would be useful for some persons that are sensitive towards you know, unifying. They're becoming whole. That's what it wants. It's very helpful. It can help people that are going through a divorce or people that had a very sad traumatic childhood or any kind of stressful in- experience. Um, and it helps them to feel their feelings again because when that vital force splits off, the passion for life is in that vital force. Kind of a Mars energy if you think about it. Yes. In fact, Mars can cut it off because it goes. the energy goes so much forward, which it wants to do, pure energy. And it's a fire energy to begin with, whatever sign it's in. It has that yeah, core sense. Mm-hmm. And the emotions, which are water and really need to seep like into where we're made of water, it, it can be very uh, confrontational. I don't know if that's the right word, but it can, the energy doesn't, needs more time to synthesize. Right. And with our Western society, everything is so rush, rush, rush. It's a very young, young or yang society. And um, I just want to encourage everybody out there to bring, to give yourself some time to rest. In, in, in uh, America, we have this Protestant work ethic. We have this idea that we have to work really, really hard all the time or we're not worthy. And um, I just want to encourage people to nurture themselves by resting, which is a very Cancerian thing. Uh, remother yourself, reparent yourself by loving yourself and giving you a chance to rest because then you'll have a firmer and stronger foundation from which to accomplish more. You'll actually be more productive in the long run, even if you're working a little bit less fewer minutes or fewer hours, but you will be more productive and effective if you have that deep, deep rest and bring more yin into our lives. And cancer is actually a yin sign. That's true. And it reminds me about the changes of the moon, that it is the new moon, no light, and the idea of the death that it was not visible and that of the regeneration of, of the power, as you're saying, in the factor of rest, that it's unseen, the root, cancer is also the root, you know, the, those roots mm-hmm. need time, their own time of processing, but it relates, what I'm wanting to evoke is this sense of call it mystery or the spirit, the whole essence of the moon, of now we think of the goddess that may at one time originated in some, like in Babylonia as a god, um, a god rather than goddess, and beautifully embracing both, that it is unseen. There is parts that are unseen, like you're saying, and so therefore, just like a seed can rest, it gains strength, not weakness. Exactly. Like there's that winter time. You can't have the summer without winter. So 
it's a cycle. The moon is a cycle. So you have the dark of the moon, then the new bright, beautiful, thin crescent. Then you have the waxing. Then you have the full moon, the waning back to darkness. It's a cycle. And I think our society is too young. It's only focused on the bright part of the cycle and forgetting that the dark part of the cycle is necessary. I was just reading in Rome, all the events for the festivities for the moon were in the full moon. And it dawned on me, well, that's when everybody could see everybody. And, you know, they didn't have lights, and so they used the full moon. Possibly. I'm not, I makes have sense. Yeah. I think it makes sense. It does. Especially out in the countryside. Yes. Yes. And so, therefore, it does go back into this, because um, the full moon in many times is, for this type of thinking, a time to release what, because it started, the, the seed begins in the new moon, just like in the earth, right? Yes. And when you bring in the idea of, which we're talking about, reminding me of a polarity of Capricorn, Saturn, which is, of course, one axis. When you think of the archetype, there's a balance in there to gain. And so it, it, it does bring up, yes, this idea of um, there's more to it than what you see is what you get. <laughs> that is beautifully said, Absolutely. <laughs> I think oh. that was Flip Wilson way back. In oh, I love Laffin. him. Yes, I love him. I, I, I'd love to mention something about, um, I was reading Chris Brennan's wonderful book mm-hmm. about Hellenistic astrology, traditional um, Greek astrology, uh, Greco-Roman oh, astrology. Huge book, his new book. Isn't it fun? And uh, I'm not claiming to have read all of it. However, I was reading about the moon. I looked in the index and I read all the moon sections oh, today and yesterday. And um, they, the... Uh, Ancient astrologers were saying that the reason the moon was considered feminine is because it, she was reflecting the light of the sun. And so they were saying that they, and, it, and they believed the sun was masculine, Elios. And so they, they called the, the moon uh, Selene, and she was reflecting the light of the sun. She was receiving the light of the sun. And so they said the sun shines forth like the male energy and then the moon receives and reflects it. And they were saying since women receive the men, they believed the moon was feminine. So I just wanted to uh, I love, yes. yeah, bring I'm that so up. I'm so glad you did because it just brings back to mind when you think about the philosophers that, so, that really is the bedrock of Western civilization, which is the golden era of Greece, which is Plato, Socrates, and Aristotle. So... There is this philosophy between Socrates and Plato. I think Socrates was first, and then Plato, and then Aristotle. Yes. Socrates, there's the, a little differentiation. One said there was this ideal, and therefore you looked out into the world and you saw the physical that represented that ideal. The yes. other said there is this uh, representation, and therefore you think of the ideal. So really, it just proves that, or like, well, I'm thinking of another example, but that's enough examples, that there's many ways to look at any object or perception, and it illustrates again how much the changing of the needs of the society retold the story, which essentially is what we're doing here. We're shedding light, trying to say, because we've heard things all the time, it doesn't need to always be in this manner. 
whether it's our history or whether it's who a person is or women are or men are or spiritualities and getting to the core of some sense because in the beginning, if it were people, shepherds out looking at the moon, and I don't know what the women were doing. I imagine they were looking at the moon too and thinking it was a man moon. And then as time evolved, it became thinking of trying to figure it out, these relationships, which really begins to say there's not one right or there's one wrong. It's just a matter of how do you pattern it? How do you put the relationships together? Absolutely. And it's fun to think about um, the moon being male in a lot of different um, cultures. I believe Mayan or Aztec. And um, in Japan, there was a sun goddess and a moon god. But then there's also a famous Chinese myth where there's a moon goddess that lives with a white rabbit on the moon. And so over here, we say man in the moon. But in China, they say, can you see the rabbit in the moon? I have read that the rabbit in the moon is really part of many, many cultures. And once you see the rabbit in the moon, that's all you see is the rabbit in the moon, the hair. Yes. In fact, I think Kaltis, I don't know if I brought her card up, but Kaltis is very, of Siberia. Oh, tell us. Yes, where is that Kaltis card here? Yeah, Kaltis is a moon goddess venerated by the Urgic peoples of Western Siberia, shapeshifter, shown here manifested as a hare. That's a rabbit folk. Mm-hmm. An animal sacred to her. Appearance show her lunar nature, for the hare is a lunar creature. Many cultures looking at the moon see the outline of the hare. lives in the moon. The hare is often seen as an intermediary between lunar deities and humans. See, this goes back to the thinking of nature reflects how life can be. And astrology, too. That's where we, as above, as below. Well, yeah, it goes on, but fertility goddess. And oh, wonderful. Yes, the um, the deer and the hare are considered very lunar creatures. And I wonder if it's because they're very yin, elusive, mysterious, soft, gentle. But deer can be badass, too, right? The stags can fight each other. So I think there's, it's like the yin-yang um, image. You know, there's a little bit of dark in the light and a little bit of light in the dark. And that's how everyone's able to relate to each other. And it's all good. Yes. Yes. I was just thinking about how Gaia. Now, Gaia, for people in listening, is the goddess for the earth. An ancient concept. And the turtle was frequent. But also in many mythologies, it was water. It was land and water. Because in reading these cards, there's some that were sea goddesses. Well, there was... I'll just stay with that fact. There was land and water and sky, of course. But water is associated as the element for the moon and for cancer. And we can think about the amniotic fluid reflecting the oceans. Um, you know, um, the, the moon, the t- in Chris's, uh, Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology book, it says the moon was considered to have a, a, when, a taste that are salty are associated with the moon, and that made me think of the oceanic feeling mm. of being floating in the amniotic fluid. 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then, of course, the moon influences the tides, so the moon and the oceans are intimately connected. Going to mothers and children, it's such a strong relationship. And the pregnancy and the sharing, and in this day and age of our childhood and connections and the fact that fathers are also becoming caregivers for their children and it's been going on I mean thankfully since so many changes have occurred I mean there whether it was the age of feminism that started things in one direction back in the 60s but I know in my own family there have been incidences where it just made more sense for a certain Husbands to be home raising the little people and more of an exchange. You know, when it made sense, that's what people did. And so there are ways that, that on an experiential level, people can embrace. Yes, there's, um, it's wonderful. And, and, uh, I had an interesting thing that my wonderful teacher, Lillian Bridges mentioned. She's my five element face reading Chinese face reading teacher and she said that when she looks at a couple because she helps counsel people um, with feng shui and with face reading and and she says I don't care if the male has the yang or yang role or the female has the yang or yang role as long as one is yin and one is yang uh, they'll they'll match and they'll work well together and I liked that so much because um, tradi- traditional roles are changing, as you mentioned, and thank God for that, right? We want everyone to be able to express and be the way they want to be and the way they feel comfortable. So it's wonderful that some men are taking over that yin caretaking role. And it is an energy right now. When you say that, I'm reminded about the chart for today at this moment because the moon changes every two and a half days, so it's uh, the quickest moving energy uh, in the for our universe but it's in Aquarius right now which is individuation as far as that process so it is a, a very strong and opposed you know close to the nodes and the nodes are lunar too right the nodes are the what they're the they're locations of the eclipses right they're locations where the moon's um Orbit crosses the sun's orbit, crosses the ecliptic, correct? Well, so. there, it's where this, yes, it doesn't have to be with the, um, yes, yes, yes. They are with the intersection of the orbits. I was thinking about how appropriate it is the moon is in Aquarius today, and many, many people are marching for um, the rights of immigrants because Aquarius is so much about wanting a a better future for everyone, a better future for humanity, and trying to find um, brainstorming and finding positive ways to help everybody. So how appropriate that the moon is in Aquarius today totally fits the the theme of today. And it's our natal, the United States natal moon is in Aquarius because the land of the free, the home of the brave. Yeah, the the astrologers know that Anything can have a chart at the moment of its conception, but it's the Independence Day, which is July 4th, so it is, we are a Cancerian country. It is our collective um, process, and the moon 
of course, for cancer is the ruling planet. And it is in Aquarius. So all men are created equal, right, Sue? That's yeah. that's right in the Constitution or yes. Declaration of Independence, one of those documents. Right. It is energy that we're all reflecting. And the fact that we brought it up with opposing, right now, opposing Venus, which is values. And I know for, we do have an audience that bridges the knowledgeable astrologer. So in talking this, you'll understand. And for those that don't, hopefully, if you, by queuing into enough, you'll get the drift, I would say, of, 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 of a repetition because Venus was Taurus, and it is values, and it's that second part of the growth development. Everything is developmental in one, one process to the next in the chart. But it, it does oppose Venus, and so it is a matter for all of us here to have an opportunity to reevaluate, and particularly because Mars is retrograde. That's right. Mars just went retrograde. So it's very significant. It's most interesting to see how the energies that are being exhibited in this discipline, in this attitude of art, of, of science, really, of astrology, are shared by the public. I mean, here it is, the nodal return, which is a lunar situation of the intersections between Earth and the, or the moon and the Earth is actually what it is. And uh, when the eclipses happen is when the, the eclipse is, is close to those same points. But it, 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 but it goes for 18 months, and so it, it's not, you know, it also has a, it's a point. And it also has a process as it goes through um, time. But at this particular time, today, the measurement of that node, which happens to be the north node in Leo, is the same one as it started July 4th, 1776. And today, when the sun is also in Cancer, just shortly before our birthday, as a nation, it was when the sun comes around back again and, and we look to see how the transits are affecting that core of that natal chart. The energies are very much concerned about the betterment of people. So however people consider all of this is that observation of, of, of astrology and looking at of that feature. Yes, it's such an important time. Um, the north nodal return of the United States birth chart. Um, the nodes are a symbol. The north node's a symbol of um, the destiny that they're, you're working toward, growing toward. Um, and so in Leo, that would be lo what? Loyalty, uh, kindness, warmth, creativity, Almost like a loving, fatherly, nurturing energy, a parent, parentish energy, since fifth house is children. Well, it's creativity, and it is children. That's yeah. very true. It's creativity and children, and then, of course, it goes back to the sun, which yeah. goes back to cancer. So it's a right. real dialogue between the male and the female energies in one way of looking at it. So it, it is, again, this whole going back into history. It's like that's how people perceived it is it is to be connected in fact i was reading here in my notes that 
men, M-E-N-E, was goddess to begin with, and men, M-E-N, was men. But it brings back to emotions. There's often said two emotions, fear and love. So as we, and cancer is emotions. It's water. It is that fourth development of, of, of our emotions and the stories that we put to it. So we, can, we have that choice to look at whether it is the fear or the love. Absolutely, and I, I just would like to encourage everybody to lean toward the love end of the... Well, your diet. idea of, of embracing that inner child, of, and if we look at the polarity of, of Capricorn, it's deconditioning. You know, when you really think of um, the individuation of the moon in in Aquarius, that we have this opportunity to 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 focus on to reevaluate as Mars is going backwards and retracing our energy thoughts, which happens every two years, and it goes for a long time. When Mars is in goes retrograde, it's like six or seven months instead of its quick six weeks or whatever. So it's a lot of time that we have to rehash this out. It's going to be an intense summer. There's no, in many powerful, good, hopefully good ways. But the point is we have choices, and I think you're embracing, deconditioning what childhood, the values. We're kind of tying this all together, those values, and realizing that we can, of our stories, and hugging that child, as you were saying, yeah, let's all re reevaluate the way we do things, the way we go after things, Mars. Let's reevaluate our values. Let's reevaluate our roles and find the roles that feel right in our gut and our heart. Yeah. And let's um, let's nurture our whenever we feel fear. Let's turn within and nurture our inner child. Oh, and that stillness inside that you mentioned that's so important to Cancer gives that opportunity to really dwell away from that brain that's thinking and just allowed to be feng shui. Perhaps there's a comment that you can add about that because the home is is that nest that we have that's cancer. You know, it's our moon. (laughs) Our home's our foundation, and it's so important to have a safe place to retreat to from the world, a comforting, snuggly place, and a place that has a balance of yin and yang, not too much yin, not too much yang, not too bright, not too dark but a balanced home, and that's what will nurture people. And that's what will bring, help people to feel safe and feel rooted and feel nurtured and strengthened so that then they can go back out in the world and conquer their career or whatever it is they need what to do. What about, like, thinking about the moon? There is a new moon and there's a full moon. So they're extreme, right? No light, total light. Yep. How do you put that into a feng shui house? Or do you? I mean, I guess I would think about... Um, all the different phases of the moon representing the different, you know, there might be different aspects of brightness and darkness within a room when you're decorating. Um, like accent walls. For some, sure, I mean, not exactly. Saying not one fit all. But yeah. perhaps that was what people were thinking is they needed, because often that's what I was trying to tie into. The full moon is, because I was getting into the stories of, of Rome, you know, doing the festivities, but it's also a time of, releasing because it's that if it's the seed of the new moon the underground underground the growth from the from the deep from the unknown from and it comes and it evolves and you get two weeks because it's a 28 29 day cycle and then it culminates and 
so then one releases in the next two weeks until as it goes through the course of it. So, yes, we can do our projects based on the moon. Um, I want to recommend the book New Moon Astrology by Jan Spiller. Okay. Well, this is excellent. I only have a moment, and it's quick, and I will say thank you so much to Wendy. This has been wonderful. And you can find Wendy on Talk Cosmos. Uh, It's Wendy Wyrot, and it's wyrot.com. Next week, we're having John Luke, a Seattle astrologer, who is going to talk again about Chiron, as it's most important that we again are visiting. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.